When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let the celebration begin. Come to Cabela's 4th of July sale and gear up for Independence Day. Get 50% off Cabela's American Flag Chairs 2-Pack and 50% off a Caravan 10-foot by 10-foot shelter. Plus, get 40% off an Abu Garcia Cardinal Sapphire Spinning Combo and 10% off all in-stock canoes and kayaks. Don't miss Cabela's 4th of July sale, in-store and online at cabelas.com. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel Guru, your host, and so happy to have you with us. This is part two of the Over Under podcast with Arturo Galetti of BoxScoreGeeks.com. We went through all of the teams over the two podcasts using the numbers from the LVH Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort, as reported by Canis Hoopus, and talked about the teams. I thought it was a good vehicle to talk about how teams got better, got worse, and to think about, even though I'm not a gambler, just to think about how teams are going to work out. So, as I said, this is part two, so this is Milwaukee on down. So if you want to get the earlier teams, you can listen to part one. The Real GM link with this should have the timestamps for every team, so if you're looking for one specific team, feel free to do that. Hopefully you hop around a little bit after that, but you can do whatever you like. This is part two, so thank you so much for listening. So the first team for this part of the podcast is the Milwaukee Bucks. They finished a horrendous 15-67 and 67 last year. Do you think they got better or worse? I think they got slightly better, slightly better. You yeah, I think that the way I think the way that they got better is the, in a lot of ways, and we talked about this the last time. Is they had the worst season possible last year. I think in in terms of wins, in terms of a lot of other stuff, some off the court stuff, well, except for getting a new owner. I think I think, and I wrote this before the season when I did the Bucks preview. I said the Bucks are tanking. People were like, no, they're not tanking. They're going to win. The Bucks are tanking. They did everything that you would do if you were tanking. They just basically did it. They did stealth tanking last year. So, I mean, I think they, they specifically were going for certain things. They, they got in some very young players, got them some reps. I think we were, were down this path again with this team. So, again, I, and I think that, that there's a point, and we were talking about it before, which is we kind of think that they're, you know, they're, it's not in their best interest to win a lot of games, right? I think they, they still want to get some more young players in and, and get some people some reps. So, 
you know, we were talking about that we think that there's a shot. There's a there's a there's a there's a shot if 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 if, if that they make the playoffs as an eight seed, but it's it's a long shot. It's not a it's not a, a, a by no means something that is not aspirational. Yeah, I think that it's a good way of putting it is that it's it's a possibility. You know, their best case scenario is substantially rosier than their worst case scenario, which is true for some teams. But I think that their flaws are so big right now that even if Kidd does a good job coaching and even if Jabari is a better is as good offensively as we think he could be and maybe he's closer defensively, their flaws are probably going to keep them from winning a lot of games. And so in a lot of ways, I think that could be the best thing for them long term to be able to use this to get another guy because I think they need answers at both guard positions. And so hopefully for them, they can get one of those in the draft and then they get the other one eventually, whether it be this coming year as a free agent or a trade or they get him at, you know, at a, at a future time. I think that they're closer than I think some people think. But Larry Sanders is pivotal to that as well. Yeah, I think, and again, there, there's a lot of ifs in this, in this team. I've got him finishing fifth in that com- in that in that division like 78% of the time. I've only got them going over like 40%, and maybe make the playoffs about 2% of the time. So there's a lot of ifs, and and I do think, I mean, I think they'll I think they'll be better. Like, so they won 16, maybe they they finish at like I think 24 and a half is a good number because if they if they if they finished at 25 wins, I think they'll consider they would consider that a victory. I mean, would you agree that that's something like if they win 25 games, they'd probably be happy with it? Yeah, I think I think they'd be happy with it. I would say that their fans and their ownership and all that would probably define success, not really with wins and losses, but I think that in terms of wins and losses, that would be fine. Yeah, if they're competitive. I think, again, this is a team that has a lot of young players that, like, you know, like 25 wins might be acceptable this year. It won't be next year. So I think next year they're thinking getting closer to 500. And I think it's, they're not they're not off base with thinking that. They can keep putting some pieces together there. So we'll move on. Next team is another interesting one, Minnesota. Oh, so they won 40 games last year. Yes. I think we both agree that they got worse. They but got worse. I think there's a question of how much worse they got, and I think you have some answers on that. So Vegas has them at 25 and a half, and basically all the models think that they go over that. Now, there's a couple of mitigating factors, which is one, like, you know, we don't know whether they're going to. I think they own their own draft pick, so I, we don't know if they're going to try that hard. I still believe that there's a chance they they try to move Kevin Martin and Pekovic because it does kind of make sense. There, there's I, I hear these weird things where like Ding is like the fourth or fifth best. He's like the fifth big in the rotation now behind like Bennett and and Thad Pekovic. Young. Thad Young, and so if he Ding should not be the fifth big man on the rotation. He should be like he should be like third at most. So there, there's things that worry me, and I keep hearing that like Flip doesn't believe in the three. So Flip is going to take a lot of what we call crap shots, which is he's going to be taking a lot of 18, 19 footers, which is just you know a recipe for disaster. So given all that, like the models still like it. I think I think this is a team that's going to try, and I think 30 is where I kind of see this team falling. Do you kind of disagree with me or agree with me? I agree with you. What they have is is downside risk because, to me, the Timberwolves are two different teams. They're a team that's competing right now with guys like Thaddeus Young and Kevin Martin and Berea and Pekovic and all that. And then they're Wiggins and Levine and, to a degree, Rubio. And so these guys who are still figuring it out. So I think they're a team that will follow whatever happens at the beginning. So if they have a strong beginning, which I actually think they might, then they'll keep on going forward and they'll, you know, they'll finish short of the playoffs, but they'll have, they'll blow through the over and they'll do fine. But if they want to pull the plug, they are better positioned than almost anybody, except that a lot of their win now guys have 
unfavorable contracts, which makes them harder to move. You know, you're not going to get somebody to say, hey, I see Kevin Martin at this contract as an asset. Why not? So, I mean, like, actually, think about it. Like, at, at that rate, with the, with the TV deal, then he, he actually is an asset. Him and Pekovic are both assets. Like you have to kind of think about it. Like, so is that is that a bad contract at half price? And and n- neither of those is a bad contract at half price for certain teams. Right? I, I, well, I, the way that I would describe it is that they've become less negative assets, but I still don't think they're positive. I don't think somebody sees Pekovic at that deal and goes, "Oh, I have to jump on that." I think it's less of a deterrent. Like the Warriors, that's reported that that was a big part of their stick up with a potential trade. Obviously, Clay Thompson was a bigger one. Was Kevin Martin? And I think what we've learned now is that that was silly if that was true. But I think that Martin, at this point in his career, he has a very specific role, and you can do that. But I don't think anybody's going to give up anything for him. That said, if a team has space and they have, let's say, a trade exception, I could see a team doing it for that as long as that doesn't push them into the tax or something. Yeah, again, my my biggest worry with this team is, like, the noise with Flip about, like, oh, we're going to take mid-range jumpers, and we don't like the three. That's, that's, that's That's, like, archaic coach speak. And if that's what he's going to do, then this team will actually be worse than the projections, way worse than projections. But that's my biggest worry that like that Flip won't get out of his own way and like we'll, we'll get them playing like dumb basketball. And and you know he might be playing basketball mind, but like this is not the 1970s or 80s anymore. You need to 19 footers and 20 footers are the way for your team to not be good. Agreed completely. Anything else on the Wolves? No, no, I, I think, again, I, I think another team that will be fun to, lot, lots of dunking, lots of transition, it should be fun. I actually think Bennett will be better than he was last year, so it's going to yeah, be interesting. Here. So, I, again, I, I think they're going to be a fun team. I think, I think as I said, I, 30 is my number for them. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be a really fun league pass team for basketball nerds like us. I think there, there are a lot of guys on this team, more so than almost any other NBA team, that I still feel like I need to figure out. Yeah, You know, I, I feel like I, I know Rubio pretty well and Pekovic and, you know, all the older guys, obviously. But Wiggins, Levine, even Thaddeus Young, to a point, to me, they're they're big question marks. And understanding where that team is and where they're going is very useful because they're obviously we don't know what the division format's going to be. But, you know, if, if they're getting something in Wiggins or Levine, either one, if they can become at least a solid starter or a very good starter, that totally changes the future of this Timberwolves team because those guys are both going to be there for as long for basically as long as Minnesota wants them. Yeah, I have them in the playoffs about ten percent of the time, and they, I have them winning the division like one and a half percent of the time. Now, now again, you know that's as I said, if 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 you know we we you have to have like a couple of train wrecks happen in front of them for like anything like that to happen, and they and they have to be way better than they they and take a leap and like Ruby all of a sudden has to start making like jumpers or something. But you know there's there's some mild hope in that team, right? Yeah, another team with more than mild hope is the New Orleans Pelicans. And last season, they won 34 games. Again, I think they're a team where we don't have to say are they better or are they worse, but how much better are they? Uh, they're better. I think that, like, I ran the numbers, and numbers aren't, like, they, they think they're they're somewhat better, right? They don't think they're way better. The projections are about, like, 39 for them right now, and the numbers that I have, like, all the uh, basically it's favoring the under for them. I, again, I think the problem lies in the fact that, like, where they're playing, right? So it's, it's we both think they're better. We both think there's a bunch of, like, teams in front of them that got better as well. So it's, it's, it's really rough. I do think there is a world where this team is a four seed, right? And it's not a, an insane world. I, I, you know, I even have them winning their division about 1% of the time. And, again, that's saying a lot with, like, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Mavs, 
and the Grizzlies in front of you. That is the equivalent of the group of death in like in like soccer. It's, it's there are five teams in that in that division that could probably be a top three or top four seed in the East. Would you agree to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that New Orleans is also going to be a great test of a term that is used in other fields called spillover effects. That Omar Sheik is a wonderful defender and. I think replacing their shoddy other big man defense with him will be a huge thing for their overall team defense if he can stay healthy. And I think that's something that sometimes, at least to me, can be hard to quantify, but I can see it very quickly. Yeah, as, much, as good as I think this team is, I only have them making the playoffs about half, a quarter, like uh, 25% of the time. But again, it's the West, right? So, I mean, uh, it's more of a function of, of, of the West than who they are. They do have some players on the roster that get hurt. Right, so we, we you have to kind of consider that as a, as a possibility. So again, as much as I think this is better, as much as I think this might be a team of the future, I just don't think the future is quite now. So under is my, my I think I think again I'm at 41 with this team, which is the Vegas is at 41 and a half. I'm at 500 with this team. Yeah, I, the other frustrating thing about that, and again it relates back to how they acquired the guys they already have, but. They didn't have a draft pick in the first round, and they also gave up their future pick. So they didn't they didn't really get an infusion of talent other than the Sheik. So you're relying a lot on internal improvement and improved health, which they certainly could have. I, I'm not going to say they don't, but you're asking a lot for them to make – well, not to make the, the jump to the over, but to make them into the playoffs, they basically need to have a 10-win internal improvement, which is a lot. They also lost one of their best – I forget the name of – Alfaro Camino. Yeah, he, he he was really good for them last year, and like losing him is kind of underrated. So they added some players, but they also lost some players. So at the end of the day, you know, they were 34 wins. I think they're about seven wins better. And if in the same thing, I I think if they were in the East, they'd be like 45 to 50. They're, they I I don't think they're they're demonstrably worse. They 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 are about the same as all the teams in the Southeast. We we said that they're maybe probably like slightly better than any team in the Southeast. And I am including Miami in that discussion. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting question, and obviously Bradley Beal's injury puts that more into question. But the other challenge with them, and we've seen this in recent years, is that they're a very top-heavy team. Yeah. And top-heavy teams can be good, and they can also be way better in the playoffs, but they are also very susceptible to injury, especially yeah. when your depth is bad, and their depth is bad. And Anthony Davis is not like the golden, like, he's not the poster boy for staying on the court. So that that's another thing to consider with this team. So again, I think uh, th- again, as I said, there's a 25% chance they make the playoffs at least according to my numbers. There's let's see how, let's see how many times I have them winning 50 games at least. I have winning, I have a winning 50 games a fair chunk of the time. Something I think something like 10%. No, hold on. So I have them winning 60 50 games or more like 9% of the time. So again, this is this is this is a good team. It's just that it, we talk walk through the caveats. There are injuries. There there's not a lot of depth. They play in a tough conference. So we're bullish. But I think I, I got 41. What do you have? I think they're going to go over. My instinct is 44, 45. I think that's about where they're going to be. But they're a team that, as you said, I could totally see them winning 50. I could see them making the playoffs. Tyreek is already. And Tyreek I, I is, could see them winning 35 too. Tyreek is already banged, again. Tyreek is already banged up. Anthony yeah. Davis always gets banged up. Right, so Eric Gordon is like a walking hospital. But so you, there are some real issues with. I wish they had like better guard depth too. So there are some real issues with this roster, right? And 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 in that division in particular, like the, any issues will be made apparent immediately. Yeah, agree completely. Uh, let's move on to the Knicks. 
The New York Knicks last year went 37 and 45, so 37 wins. Do you think they are better or worse than last year? So I think the Knicks are exactly the same, basically. But but let me caveat that they are as currently built. They are exactly the same as last year. We'll talk a little bit more I, about that in a second. I think they're a little bit better, but again, it's largely the same, but a little bit better for two reasons. One, I think their coaching is going to be better, and second of all. The only guy they lost, and obviously he's a very good player, is Tyson Chandler. Who's but protect- they add who's protecting the rim on this team? Absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. But I think that the addition of Calderon and the addition of a series of guys who can actually play. You know, I think Dallenbear is not a terrible player. I think he. I think he's fine. Jason Smith is fine. I think that what they did this year is they built a roster that is closer one to twelve than it was, even though the top is about the same. I'm gonna I'm so, gonna I'm gonna say the same thing I used to say about the Raptors every year, which is like this is a team that they're Bargnani trade away from being a top four seed. They basically because everything that you've done, you've brought in Calder and you've got Prigioni, you've got all these great shooters, you're putting in all the spacing. If Bargnani is your starting power forward or center, everything that you're trying to do is going to go by the wayside because he is just a, just, he's just a giant hole of suck. Once they move him, and I think actually, uh, I think Amari's 20, uh, between Amari and Bargnani, it's about 30 million in expiring contracts. So any team that wants to blow it up, so any team, say, in the Southeast that like runs into like uh, injuries and wants to blow it up, the Knicks are a phone call away. So I do think that once they... I think the Knicks are going to make a large move. And once they make that move, this is going to be a way, way better team. So I think there's something... They're going to hover as like slightly below 500 for like maybe the first half of the season. And they're going to be like closer to a 50-win team after the uh, trade deadline. That's that's my take on the Knicks, right? So and, and, and so even though kind of everything says under on this team, I would either stay away or... Like, I mean, I think I'd stay away from that or maybe like... Think about division. I don't know what their odds are for division. But I do think this is the most likely candidate for a complete roster transformation. Yeah, and the other factor with the complete roster transformation is that they have a new guy running the show, and that is the classic example of when you see that, is somebody who wants their people in there. And they've already had a lot of turnover. I mean, there were I think what there are seven guys that were on this team last year that are not on it this year. If Flip, for example, if Flip Saunders gets 25 games into the season, looks at his roster and goes like, you know what, I, you know, we're not competing this year. I just want to, I'm just going to get rid of Peck's contract and Kevin Martin's contract and and somebody who is the other one who I think Chase Budinger is the other long-term contact. The Knicks go like, we'll we'll take all three, just throw in Deng, right? And, and and we'll throw in some picks. It, they could do that. It's like if Kobe wants out, they could they could totally take Kobe's contract. If any one of the Southeast teams want to like like blow it up, they can they can they can eat like if and all they have to do is basically they they just keep like the uh, keep Hinky on the on, on the line, and between them and Hinky, they can basically clean out your entire cap between those two teams. And bringing up Hinky is actually what I was going to do because the other possibility with the Knicks is that if things aren't going well, they can actually shift a lot of their salary onto the Sixers. I've been saying for a while that I think Amare is going to end up on end the season on the Sixers, or at least end the trade deadline well, on the Sixers. I think I think that I think the trick with that is you have to be real careful because if if I'm the Knicks and I have thirty millions in expiring deal, I want to convert those thirty million into like thirty million thirty million in competent long term players that are going to be under price under price in the current CBA. Because basically, and I was saying this, the salary cap, salary cap is going, any, any salary cap space is going to take like a 75% discount in, in like 18 months. So you, you basically want to turn whatever expiring deals you can into like players that are being fire sold by another team. So this is why you, 
if, if you're the Knicks, you, you have to be looking at like rosters or teams that want to basically just blow it up. So you, you pay attention and, and, and you pounce because you have that one move and now is the perfect time. And, and again, there are teams. It's like, what if Miami decides to blow it up? What if, what if Pat Riley like, gets like 40 games, like 30 games in the season and decides to blow it up? Right? You, you know, and again, I, I'm not saying this is, and you know, I'm going to get killed by Heat fans, I'm not saying this is like a, a 20% odds, but I think there is a 1 in 100 chance that like Pat Riley might want to do that. Right? And, and, and if, if, if that happens and you're the Knicks, then you want to be ready for when that happens. Like, I think there is a 50% chance or better than there's going to be like a, a decent team that we have in the contenders list that's going to want to, want, want to blow it up before the end of the season. Do you think that's reasonable and fair? I think that's reasonable. The other team that's not a contender at all that I could see doing not necessarily a panic trade, but a trade like that is Boston, because Boston has about $20 million in bad money for next year with Jeff Green and Joe Wallace, and obviously bad money is changing a little bit depending on how smoothing works, but I could see a team taking advantage of Danny Ainge wanting flexibility and just saying, hey, we'll take on your guys if you're willing to give us some sort of asset, and the Knicks would be a perfect team for that because I don't think they're going to use their cap space in 2015 anyway. Yeah, but they're not a great roster, though. I mean, like, I'd be more curious somebody like the Nets. If I'm looking within the division, the Nets would be more interesting if Lopez, if you trust that you can keep Lopez healthy. But, I mean, there are other teams. I would rather have Calderon than Rondo at this point. And, and and I don't think you're getting a marked upgrade if if that's what you're getting. There's nobody else on that roster that I'd like. Who else on the Celtics would you like? James Young. I think James. If you could say, hey, we want we not, want James Young. They're not going to give you James Young. They're not going to give you Marcus Smart. They're not going to give you. They're not going to give you any of the young players. So I, I think you're more thinking about like you you want an older team with really good players. Like you somebody like I don't think the Mavs are blowing it up, but like. The Mavs, the Grizzlies, you know, the uh, you just you start you make a list. It's like who 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 looks like, you know, maybe they they, they want to go in another direction. Grizzlies are interesting, I, I think, because I you know there's a world where like they they're they're like you know Mark's leaving and everything kind of went wrong, and so we're gonna move some we're gonna move some players out and maybe start from scratch. And again, if you're the Knicks, you you just want to sit there and go like I have these thirty million. And I can I can I can correct a lot of your mistakes. And again, if, if you if you threw in some players, like say if you if you took the best guys from the Knicks and the best guys from the Grizzlies, that would be a hell of a team. If you took the best guys from the Knicks and the best guys from the Heat, that would be a hell of a team. Same thing with the Hawks. Same thing with the. I mean, I don't think the Hornets are going to blow it up, but 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 there are there somebody's going to want to, right? And the other guy that I'm thinking about, not in terms of a team blowing it up necessarily, is Joe Johnson's contract has changed around a lot with a new TV deal. And I could see a team taking on his money if the Nets decide they want to have cap space, which is what the Nets should do because they're actually a legitimate destination for guys. What about a, what a, what about a Barks for Hibbert swap? I don't see the Pacers doing it. That's just selling way too low on Hibbert, you know, because cap space doesn't mean that much to the Pacers right now. So you're getting nothing. If they could get a guy like Shumpert, maybe, or they could get, you know, a long Tim Hardaway Jr., a long-term piece, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I wouldn't do it just as a dump because there's no point. Yeah, I think the, the Knicks need to set up a, what is it, a, they need to set up a 24-hour trade phone, uh, hotline and 24-hour email as well. So, like, basically, like, no, you send us a trade offer, we will, we will listen. So, again, I, I don't think there's, like, maybe a 2% chance that, like, the Knicks team that you see now is the Knicks team that you're going to see at the end of the season. So, so, as I said, I think they're a 35-winning team now. They're going to be better at the end of the season. So, even though my model kind of says under, I think over is, is, is what you have to think for this team. Although, kind of, I would stay away from it because I do think that it's going to be way different than what you see now. It's, it's the Barg thing. Barg's always get – he's going to get moved. There, I don't see any way 
where like Phil still has him on the court at the end of the season. Agreed. We'll move on to yeah. a team that we're not going to talk about over under, but it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And their number was, they won 59 games last year. It was 57, but all of that happened before Durant's injury. Yeah, all the models, so, all the models all, already didn't like it because, uh, you know, they, they like Cephalosha and they like a couple of the other guys they lost, but it, that actually goes down further. I think, and again, I don't think it's going to be that terrible, maybe, because I think he's out like, uh, they were saying six to eight weeks. It's already two and a half, so something like four and a half weeks, so a month and a half, maybe. So I say that it's, they probably make them about four wins worse. So I think that now I, I'd have them at like 52. Now the problem is like, when you move to 50, 52 wins in the in, in the West, that might mean you're a five seed. I, I think they're probably off the books or under. I think that it's going to be really interesting because, you know, like last year, their their point margin and their win percentage was actually the same with or without Russell. I don't think that's going to be the case with or without uh, KD. I agree with that. I think the other thing that's important to note with this is that what I've read on this type of fracture is that the minimum is six to eight weeks, but it can be substantially more than that. So that is the risk that you need to account for because I think that this team without him for an extended period, let's say it's two months or maybe even, heaven forbid, three or four months, I think they're they're not dead in the water, but I think they're a really hard bet in the West that is so deep because they're not going to be getting many games off. They're going to be facing teams that are very good, that are very well coached, and I think that they will be entertaining without Durant, but I think that they will have a lot of trouble with the playoff teams in the West without him. And there are a lot of playoff caliber teams in the West. Yeah, I think the 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 the, the odds that the are the best buy off this news are probably the division odds for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are 100 to one right now. Oh, well, that's a great bet. That's a great no, actually no, bet. actually no, 20 to one. But like, still good. That's still good. That's like you should you should be thinking about. I mean, I had them winning that division 10 percent of the time before. That number is going to be significantly higher now. It's going to be something like 15, 20 percent. So that's that's good. That's really good. And again, this is, doesn't mean that like I I don't think that the Nuggets are likely to win the division. There's enough for up, but they're now more like I think now I think it's a three team race between the Oklahoma, Portland, and Denver, right? And uh, with Denver probably being, you know, I, I think probably Oklahoma and Portland are probably about the same right now in terms of like where I think, because I think I got both teams are at the 51-52 win mark now. Would you would you kind of agree with that? I, I have Portland a little bit below that, but I think yeah. that I can see the argument. So I want to walk through a little bit why I think this is a little bit dangerous. Here is the first little stretch of the season for the Thunder, the regular season. At Portland, at the Clippers, home against Denver, at Brooklyn, at Toronto, home against Memphis. That stretch is going to be hard. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go two and four in that stretch, even if they're playing with emotion and they're playing hard, because those teams are almost all really good. Yeah, no, I, I, there there aren't there are no easy nights in the West, right? So I, I think that's kind of the case. And as I said, I mean, I think you know, hey, uh, Russell's fantasy value goes up in this one. Uh, I, and Russell was actually kind of insane at the end of the, insanely good at the end of the last season. And I do think having him and Reggie is going to be kind of an interesting dichotomy. And like the other thing that's undersold is Ibaka's kind of banged up too right now. And there's noise I'm hearing that like you know, and and, and Scotty should know better. He should be playing Stephen Adams. But I, I I keep hearing noise that that Perkins is still features prominently in the rotation so i worry that like you know without kd they're like a 45 win team i mean without kd they're basically 45 to 50 they're they're trailblazers i don't think there's any marked difference between them and the trailblazers if you take out uh kd they're basically the same as the other three teams and as you say like if it gets extended then becomes a bigger issue i do think they eventually like i I mean again i i would still think that they win that division 
but I think it's a lot. Cl- I mean, I think it's you know they're in the 52 win range now with that injury. To me, there are two silver linings with this injury. Obviously, it's a huge ass cloud. To me, the first one is I'm hoping Scotty Brooks gets it through his skull that, hey, we're losing all this offense. We should get offense from center, and it leads to them playing Steven Adams more. That's my irrational hope with this. The second one is I think that there's a very good chance at the end of this run without Durant that we will finally understand if Scotty Brooks is a bad coach and how bad of a coach he is, if he is, because if they flounder without him despite having other talent, I think that's going to tell us all we need to know. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think this is a decent roster. I mean, I think they, they do have some issues with depth in this roster. Uh, they just they, they just have had guys that have played an insane amount of mids before. So this isn't like a situation where San Antonio, where like San Antonio could lose, basically San Antonio, I could see San Antonio losing, could lose like four players. And I would still say, eh, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's San Antonio, the, the roster is crazy. Well, actually, I think the only the only guy where it's, it's critical, and you can tell, it's like when, when, when Leonard goes out for extended periods, the defense kind of suffers. But other than that, I think that, you know, KD is really important to this team and to their spacing and to what he does, to the shooting, for everything else. He makes everybody better. And I think, as I said, there's a reason why they didn't get any worse when Russell went out. And it's not that Russell is bad. I mean, they they had a very decent backup in in Reggie Jackson, and they kind of went to a different style that allowed for that. I don't know that, like, their their, their change-up without KD is going to be that effective because teams are just basically going to – they're basically going to – they're going to, like – give uh, uh they're going to give Russ all the bad shots he wants and then they're going to basically challenge everybody else on the team and if if it's Russ and Ke- and Kendrick Perkins then that's a real problem because I don't know that it, like who's hitting the threes on this team they're going to have to hope that Moro can do more than he was expected to do and he's a great shooter I covered him when earlier in his career he's an amazing shooter but he's not much of a creator so if Westbrook can create for him and for Jeremy Lamb presumably that would be really nice so what do you play you play but, you play Moro at the 4 no, I play more with the three. You're playing, so, you, so you're basically saying you're going, you're going Reggie Jackson, Russell, Morrow at the three, and then uh, Ibaka, who's a little banged up, and then like Stephen Adams. I mean, I, I mean, actually, if he goes Perkins in that situation, then ooh, I mean, like then you really need Perkins, to, like you need, really need uh, Ibaka to step up in terms of the shooting. Is right. Is I, you know, I, again, I think they're 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 gonna look and feel a lot like the Trailblazers without without KD. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a fair fair way of thinking about it. Next team is the Orlando Magic, team that you and I have talked about before. Orlando won 23 games last year. Are they better or are they worse? I think they're slightly better. I'm worried about the fact that like they basically lost. They've been having some injuries uh, on this team. I do think again, I think everybody else on that on, the, on that conference is, on the division is actually it's actually the best division in the East. It's not great, but it's the best and they're not quite good enough for me to think that they're going to beat the Vegas over, which is 28 and a half. I think they're, they're slightly below that. And I haven't seen anything to kind of indicate that I'm wrong about that. I mean, would you agree with that? What do you see? I, I agree completely. They added some pieces. I like Gordon fine. I like Channing Fry for what they're doing and all that, but they lost Aaron Aflalo, who was a good player for them. Ben Gordon. Oh, Ben Gordon. Ooh. And so yeah, I, I, I just, I like Eric Gordon a lot more than I like Ben Gordon. Yeah, I think I think everybody does at this point. Probably since Aaron Gordon was about in high school, I think that's probably been where where the line was where Aaron Gordon surpassed Ben Gordon. But I think that the problem for the Magic is that I don't see how they 
I don't see them having this upside potential for this season. I think that their guys make they have an interesting collection for the long term, but I don't see how they put it together for a good run this season. I just don't see it. Do you like this roster better or, or like less or more than Milwaukee's roster? I like the top guys on Milwaukee better, so I like Milwaukee better. I think that Jab- I'm more sold on Jabari being a solid starter or better than anybody on this team because while I like Oladipo, I, I really do, I don't think that he does any one thing that is essential for a team. And I think Jabari could get there with scoring, especially if he can play the four. Yeah. And Orlando has a bunch of lottery tickets, and I like that concept, but we're getting close to having some of the lottery tickets that they're, they're all the numbers are out and those guys didn't, didn't make it. So like Tobias Harris, I, I like him. I don't love him. Harkless, good, but not there. Like they're going to need a couple of those guys to break out. But at the same time, when you have eight lottery tickets, which is about what I think they have, some of those could definitely eventually work. Yeah, I think the the issue with that is, is I also I think I think they win more games. They're a better team now than Milwaukee. I do think Milwaukee is better in the long term. I, I like Oladipo. I worry that he's on the wrong team and he's learning. He I would feel better about Oladipo if he was on another team. Right, because I think that they're asking him to do things that he really shouldn't be. They were playing at the point in certain periods last year. He shouldn't be, but he should be playing off the ball more. He should be like he he is very physically talented, so that should be taken advantage of. So, again, I'm not sold on this organization. I think they they went in, they made some win now moves, and and I don't know that they're quite ready. I don't know why they made so win, those win now win now moves. This was a team that should have like you know I think they had the cap, but they should have gone after not Channing Fry. They should have gone after Lance. Lance would have been a good fit for this team, right? There there are a couple other guys that would have been good. It's just I, I'm not I'm not convinced that these guys know what they're doing. Is, is my word with it. Yeah, and they also could have used that money to make a bid for Eric Bledsoe. They made the Suns think about it because I think Bledsoe would have been a nice piece, and Bledsoe would have been a great if you were talking about lottery tickets. Now that we're looking at where the CBA, where the CBA combination with the TV deal is going, Bledsoe is going to be a nice value where the Suns got him. So maybe you don't pry him away, but at least you make them pay a little bit more money, and you do you ingratiate yourself to one of the suddenly more important player agents in the league. I think that would have been a much smarter play than Channing Fry, and then also dumping Aaron Afalo for nothing. I think that yeah, they, it, it was just a, just a strange offseason for them in terms of asset management. Yeah, well, I don't know why they moved. What, what was the reasoning behind that Aaron Afalo trade? I mean, what are you thinking? Well, the thing is they got, I mean, 48 could be all right, but they another lottery ticket. But they, I get the logic. I had somebody on the podcast, I wish I remembered which guest it was, who was talking about how the market for Afalo just wasn't there. And I think that's possible, but... Then you roll the dice with him, and you hope that somebody gets hurt and that a team needs him. Like, think about now, if Oklahoma City could get a guy like Aaron Aflalo, and they could figure out a way that they could do it without going over the cap, like, they would probably give up a pretty solid asset for it. Well, you know, you could if you t- took Perkins back just to eat the contract, you could get a nice piece from Oklahoma City to get, to get Aaron Aflalo to keep that team afloat. If I told you that... Aaron Afalo was in at the end of, at the end of the season. I told you Aaron Afalo was the best shooting guard in the league. Is that something that sounds completely crazy and off the wall, or it sounds possible? I think it's a fringy thing, but I because I think Harden is very good. Yeah. But I think that I think that Afalo is underrated at a position that is terrible if, overall in the league. If I, if I if I said he was the he was a top three shooting guard. I would be fine with that, though I know that there are some other things that absolutely like, hate him. Obviously, I mean, obviously. It has to, you know, or like a top five. I think there's more than likely is a top five shooting guard. 
And I think like he has upside potential that I, I think like you know the in the world the worlds where like the, where like Denver is a top four seed or a top three seed are kind of contingent on on like him like being going back to like he's he's been really good a couple of seasons and going back to that potential, and then like having Gallo there for like the full season right. But but I think that like you know I totally get the, why why Denver made the trade and which is like anytime I totally get why Denver he makes a trade then the other team you have to go like what were you thinking I mean. It's, but you know, it's like okay, I could see it if you're like going for potential long term. Then why are you signing Channing Fry and 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 Ben Gordon? What do you? Th- I mean, like it's it's you see what I'm saying? It's like you you're going with down this path, but then you're going in the other direction. That's my confusion with the Magic. Agree completely. Anything else on Orlando? No, I, I mean again, I think I think we both like the under on that team, and and yeah, we both think they're slightly better than Milwaukee, but like just in the short term. Yeah, moving on to another bad team. Philadelphia won 19 games last year. Do you think they're better or worse than last year? God, I think that this team is worse. And this is this is actually kind of, it's really, really hard to be, like, it's really hard to win that few games in the NBA. It doesn't happen that often. And, you know, the, the trick with this is, is that, like, even, like, when I ran the Sims, like, it's really hard for me to get some, a team like the Sim out at less than 15 and a half games. But congratulations, Sixers. You you actually did it. I actually have them. So to put it in perspective, the worst teams, like I think nine is the lowest win total ever, right? Like nine games over an 82-game season is the worst total win total ever. I think the Sixers. I think so, yeah. So I have them at worse than nine wins. And again, obviously, I need to make some corrections, but I have them at like nine or worse 13% of the time for this, which is just completely and utterly insane for this season. Right, so even though I do think that it, here's the thing, they they have talent on this team, right? They they have like uh you know they have Embiid, they have Noel. I think Noel is going to be great. I think that they're going to protect the hell out of him. I think the other thing is like in 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 and anybody who's read basketball on paper knows this is like they're they're running they're 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 pushing the pace, pushing the pace, pushing the pace. And if you're a bad team, you want to slow the pace down, right? So basically, they are doing their utmost to lose games now. The caveat is the league might actually step in and take some steps to make it really hard because, again, what they're trying to do is get the, the draft picks. I think this is a team that's going to be good in the future. I just think that, you know, I like the over, but I like the over because it's really hard to win less than 15 games, right? But it's not because I believe this roster is better than last year. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that 15 and a half is just a crazy low number. I think that it's it happens. It certainly does. But I also think that this Philadelphia team is worse than almost any other team has been constructed in my think, time covering the league. I think the problem is that I think what Vegas is figuring on is that it might take 15 to actually get the number like to get the most lottery balls because yeah. because there's there's Boston, there's Milwaukee, there's Orlando, there's Philadelphia, there's Minnesota. There's there, there's like if you look at it, there's maybe 10 teams that could decide to go like Indiana could decide to go for it. Right, so there are teams that could decide to like out and out tank, and if you have that, then and, and I think Philly's smart enough to know how to do it, right? So they're they're going to keep speeding up the ball, and like you know, I think we did. I did a thing with um, Coach Nick Ball Breakdown where we looked at the worst three point sh- best and worst three point shooters, and Tony Roten, like I worked out his bad day three points. So like, what would be a bad day for Tony Roten? A bad day for Tony Roten if he took like ten shots, he might not make a single one, like ten ten three pointers. So they were they were doing things that like you know like yeah just keep shooting I, I don't make any coaches like no no keep shooting them we don't care right so they were doing things that like that that kind of were suspicious so that this is I think where Vegas is giving you 
that 15 and a half number. I do think the over is attractive, but but like it, it's a bet that you would sweat the entire season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a bet that you would sweat the entire season. And I like Nerlens Noel, but I don't think Nerlens Noel, when you have a bunch of bad players around him, is going to help the team win a lot of games now because he's a defense primarily player. So he'll keep them in games, but they don't have the offense to put to put them over. They could lose, you know, they could lose games when they hold opponents into the 80s because they just have no scoring. Yeah, they, you know, they, they could lose eight, they could lose 85 to 78. It's interesting because they have shown the ability to identify talent, which makes it even more suspicious when they put together a really bad roster. So it's it's, you know, I uh, I, I worry. I, I would, as I said, I, I think, I mean, if they were trying the, and if you were saying, look, they're going to play 30 games at the end of the season with Embiid and, and Noel, then 15 the 15 and a half would be a walk. I mean, they they could they could get to that number in like like they could get to that number by February if they were, if they were actually trying and caring. I don't believe that's the case though. So I think I think the, I would say I would say I would say the over, but like be prepared to like be stressed out and sweating. It's like it's like we I I make the story like an 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 NBA geek who was on there before like he had a a beer with with Sam Hinkie and he basically said, "Can you win 18 games for us?" Right? And like Hinkie did look at him like he was crazy, but they did win those 18 games, right? Yeah, and I think I think that what why I would stay away from it is just because it's at a really good number because I could I could see myself sitting there you know betting the betting the over and then you see this team win you know five games by the all-star break and you're sitting there going why did I do that but I can also see the reverse I can see the why would you ever bet that a team would have 15 or less wins you know I, I that's why I, you get, to me this is a classic stay away. you get you get you get nine wins for signing your name basically it's, it's yeah, and then it, and it's true, and so like you, you're basically just arguing about the last six, and I, I think they, I mean, they're gonna, I think they're gonna get them, but it's gonna be kind of, you know, it might be one of the situations like I think where it's like if every other team is competitive and everybody's above like you know everybody's gonna finish above 24 wins, then 15 becomes an issue. It's like it, if you have somebody like the Celtics who are like, no, 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 we're gonna win nine games, right? If it becomes a competition, then it's a real problem. Agreed. We go from a team that everybody thought was going to be bad last year and was to a team that everybody thought was going to be bad and had probably the most surprising season in the NBA. Phoenix Suns won 48 games last year. Best team not to make the playoffs. Are they better, worse, or about the same? I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to say that they're better. I'm guessing that's Isaiah related? Yeah, I think they they, they they have a deeper roster. I think I like their young players. They brought in a bunch of other players in. It's like, and everybody's arguing for regression for this team. My numbers, all my numbers say this is over. This team, I've got them at 51 wins this year. 51, so like reading off, I've got them 51, 52, 51, 52, 50. So like my worst, and this is just a projection. My worst projection is 50. And my best is 56 for this team. So I, I, I'm way over. I'm way over where Vegas is on this team. And I think I, I know why Vegas is arguing the regression, but I do think that like they didn't have Bledsoe for half the season last year, right? So they didn't have Bledsoe. Len didn't play. They added Isaiah Thomas was really good. So like even if they lose Bledsoe now, like you still got Isaiah Thomas to come in. So this is a much better team. They they have a better roster, and I do think that they're a team that's also well coached. And I mean, I saw them. I, I said, and I, I, I will believe this to my dying day. If they'd been in the East, they made the finals out of the East last year. And 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 I and I think pretty I, because I think they would have killed Indiana, and I think it would have been a hell of a series with Miami. And I think they were a better team than their regular season record because Bledsoe was healthy at like the end of the season. So this is a better team than they were last year. And I don't think it's I don't think it's even close actually. Yeah, I think that last season was probably close to their best-case scenario in terms of their talent, 
But their talent got better, and they're going to have similar circumstances now. And I would say that they're even deeper now. We should be getting more from Alex Len than last year, so that means they're a little bit deeper at center. Their guard depth got substantially better because they also added Zoran Dragic. And, yeah, they got worse at power forward, but it's not like Channing Fry was that much better than the Morris Twins. So I, I think that they're, what shocked me with them was how low their number was. I think you could put a number in the high 40s, and I would have been sketchy. You know, it would have been one of those, like, I think they're going to be better than that, but I wouldn't have been comfortable. But putting the number at 42 and a half is just well, that just makes it easy for me. Bledsoe only played 1,416 minutes last year. If you, I mean, like, if you get 2,005 from him, and you've got Isaiah Thomas on that team as well, I mean, you're getting, like, good, strong, quality minutes from that position where you really weren't getting that much before. I, I think this is a, and I, I also kind of liked who they picked up in the draft, so I think this is a better team than, than, than last year. And, and, and as I said, I mean, I really like the Suns. I actually think that they're going to be, so let me look at the Suns right now. I've got them now. Again, they're playing in a really tough conference, a really tough division with the, with the Clippers and the Warriors. And I've, but I still got them winning that division like like quarter of the time, right? So yeah. And 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 again, I, it would be more if they were somewhere else. I mean, let's see. I've got them at over 50 wins. Let's see. I've got them over 50 wins or better about 60% of the time, right? 57% is who I got them. 50 or better. I I, I think wow. that. And again, I think that they're a really good team. And I also, as I said, I like their coach. I like how they play. I like the players they have. And I think they're going to be a really good team. That's that's just me. So they're, they're kind of like, that's a team that's like, that to me is going to surprise in the West. And they shouldn't and, be a surprise, though. Yeah, it shouldn't be because they were really good last year. And they were good, you know, they were good in a lot of ways. They were good in terms of record. They were a great team to watch. They were excellently coached. And they had a guy in Goran Dragic who was one of the most underappreciated players in the league. But, I mean, I think the people who followed him pretty closely understood how great he was. Yeah. So the other surprising team and to a lot of people in the West was the next team, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. They won 54 games last year, finished with the fifth seed, and won that remarkable series with the Houston Rockets. Do you think they're better or worse than last year? Slightly worse, because I don't think they can sustain the hot shooting that they have. There's no way they can sustain the hot shooting that they have, like uh, multiple seasons. I think there, there are a lot of things that broke right for them. Uh, I think Vegas has them at 48 and a half. I, I kind of think that they got it dead on. 49 is my number for them, but, you know, it's, it's dependent on a lot of things. I, again, I think they're good. I think, like, again, I think that number is going to go slightly up when I take the fact that, like, Durant is out for a while. But... They're going to be slightly, I mean, like, they were worse the second half. They, they kind of came back to earth. They weren't bad, but they weren't, like, uh, great. I think this is going to be a good team in the West for a while, but they're in that 50-win range. Now, I think, you know, I think uh, if Damian Lillard, you know, doesn't find some D in his game, or, or there's a couple things that need to happen for this team for me to believe that they're going to take that next step to the contender in the, in, in the West. I, I mean, I think right now there may be a 5-6 seed in, in a first round out. W- would you kind of agree with that assessment for them? That's a little rosier than I'd have it. The the stat that stands out to me is that they their starting five, which was a very good starting five last year, missed a combined 13 games last season. They Lamarcus missed 13 games. That's it. The other four guys started all 82 games, and I don't think they can sustain that. I don't think anybody can sustain that. And so this team, more so than most, is very dependent on their top guys. In a lot of ways, they remind me of the Warriors in that sense, except that they had way better, they've had way better injury luck last year than the Warriors have ever had. So I think that 
all the all the other improvements and all that I think are a little bit more on the side. So I think that they're a well-coached team. I think that if they stay healthy, they will have a similar year to what they had this past year, but I don't think you predict that. If you look at it historically, I think Portland was due. I mean, I think Portland historically has had the worst injury luck of any franchise, right? So so having them have a season where they're abnormally – like if you look at it from a from a 30-year sample, it's like, you know, it's, it's just regression to the mean, basically. Yeah, and then this will be a regression to the mean for an average NBA team. Yeah, I, I think, again, I, I see where you're coming from. I do think that, like, I think 48.5 is the right number for this team. And, and, and I think 48-49 is where I see them. I think that they get some advantage for the fact that, like, Oklahoma's out. But I agree with you. I mean, there's, there, I mean if, if you told me that Portland was our annual uh, hospital team, and Oklahoma, then again, like that that Denver that Denver uh, division is that is, is even more attractive when you consider like Portland's injury history. So yeah, no, I I, I see it. I, I know what you mean. Okay, so the next team is actually one of the more interesting ones for me in terms of over under, and that's the Sacramento Kings, who won 28 games last year. Are they better or worse than last year? They're slightly. They're better. I mean, I think that uh, I think that some of the guys are going to play. I think Rudy wasn't bad, and I think I like Collison. I mean, I think Collison was more than a competent guard. I mean, even though they lost Isaiah, I mean, I think that they're better. I mean, again, I don't think again they were bad last year. So this is not like um, this is not me going like, oh, they're no, they're they're just better. Uh, do you think they're better or worse than last year? I think they're slightly worse because I don't think Collison really brings much to the table that Isaiah didn't, and I think he's a substantially worse player. I do think that they'll get something better from the two-guard position than they got because it can't really be worse. And I think that they'll have a benefit that, you know, they have they have enough offensive firepower that they'll win, they'll just win some games. You know, they'll be a team that has some surprising wins. And I think that they can do that, but at the same time, I, I just it's another team that I think depth is a major issue for them. Yeah, Mac Lamar wasn't good for them last year. Hopefully, he'll be better than he was last year. I think that kind of has to be. Kind of has to be. He was he was pretty terrible. I think that I, I think one of the things is like Reggie Evans is, is heavily. I like Reggie Evans. He wasn't great last season, but if he he's closer to his historical form, then then this team has a lot of upside. And he's 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 a sneaky player because nobody ever gives him credit. But he's a guy who does like dirty stuff. So like, uh, if he's back to what he was like for the majority of his career, who's the guy who like just gets a lot of boards and does na- does nasty things on defense, then you put him next to Boogie, and that's kind of actually kind of good. I mean, like you, between him and Boogie, you can decently protect the rim, and so that's why I think I I mean I like the over on this team, and it's primarily for that because I do think that again it, it, I do think that what they have in the post is interesting. I mean, this doesn't mean I think they're well. I mean, I, I'm saying I got them like where I have them in Lakers territory, like 38 wins. But that's better than what they were last season, better than Vegas has them at 30 and a half. So I think they're better than that, actually. Yeah, and the other challenge with them is that I don't even know like what blowing it up for them would be. You know, They're going to keep Cousins for the long term. I mean, maybe they would move Rudy Gay, but I don't. the downside risk with them but, uh, is a little bit different. If they, if, they move, if they move Rudy Gay, they're winning 45 wins. They're winning <laughs> the playoffs. It's, we know... We know we know, we know there's that, a history. There's a history. Like you trade gay, you 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 win ten more games. So you know if yeah. So basically, no. Now I'm even more sold on the over. They're a Rudy Gay. So like I think they're over now. If they make a Rudy Gay trade, they're the Raptors. So no, no, no. Yeah, no. Now you've sold me. Now I'm definitely sold on this on the Kings over. Okay, another team that you and I have talked about a lot, but is interesting for over under in some ways, and that's the San Antonio Spurs, who obviously won the NBA championship, but won 62 games in the regular season. 
And you could make the argument that they got better. Do you think they got better? I think they got better, yes, because I like Kyle Anderson. I really do like Kyle Anderson. Like, again, it's, it, I, I'm going to say it's about the same because they lost Patty, who was really good for a significant part of the season. But I, I like Kyle Anderson, and I actually have a, I have a, I have a, a, a community service hours bet going. I think Kyle Anderson plays more than 1,500 minutes a season. And I, and, I, and I really think he's going to be really – people are going to, like, look at him, him and Jordan Adams and be like, holy crap, that UCLA team – was good, and I think that they had. We, we talked about it, they had conditioning issues on that program, but and they were poorly coached for the most part. Well, yeah, but I in mean, my I, opinion, I think again, I think the question is that Vegas has them in six and a half. When was the last time San Antonio didn't win fifty eight games in a season, right? So I, I, seven years ago, that's that's what the number that's in my head. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I think that this is this is a team that, like, regardless of what I do for this team when I simulate them out, it, it's really hard for me to get them to like 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 not. So let me so let, let, let's look at how many times do I get the Spurs at less at fifty at less than fifty wins, right? So and this is like I'm doing like all sorts of injury simulations. So I have the Spurs winning less than fifty games only seven percent of the time, right? And this is me like putting in the like just trying to force people like going out for the full season and whatnot. So and I got them below five hundred out of a thousand simulations point four percent of the time. So the Spurs are a really, really good team. They were historically good last year. They're going to be really, really good this year, and people should not be surprised. And and again, they're they're the kind of team. As I said, if they we make the argument that their their backups are a playoff team, and I would totally kind of see them being. A, and hell, I think they're if you took their 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 second five and had Pop coach them in the in the East, they 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 probably get a home series in the East. It'd be, definitely be interesting. So I looked it up, and the last time in a full season that the Spurs fi- finished with less than 56 wins was 2009-2010 when they went 50-32, and 32, and they still made the Western Conference semifinals. And then they had that year, the year before that, and then be- before that it was the last year where they won 56 or less was 1999-2000. Yeah. So they had that little dip. And then, other than that, other than that little aberrational dip, they've just dominated. Yeah, and and again, I think I think the you would have to like lose. Like, and again, they they still haven't gotten a full season from Kawhi Leonard, and and I think that's that that should be kind of scary for everybody because like the I think they win the clip they win just a ridiculous number of games when they're actually on the floor and and playing like like more than twenty minutes a game. So I I do think that like I like the over, and I think that there's there there's a shot that like. There's a shot that they're not even trying the last ten games of the season, and they win sixty games. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The, do you have an estimate on your systems in terms of how often they win the title? Obviously, that's not a part of over under, but I'm just interested. I have, you know, I have actually done the sim. I know that. I mean, I would say that. God, I would say that they're. I would put them at fifty percent to win the to to like make the finals, and once they make the finals. I'd make that about an 80% chance to win. So I think that I'm about 40% for them to win the title right now. And, and again, I haven't like done the numbers I'm going off the top of my head because I, I think like the thing that could stop them, and I'm assuming they're they're getting the home court advantage in the majority of scenarios. They're also playing like, I'm assuming that the Spurs are playing, like in my Sims, I have them winning. So I have the Spurs winning 61 games, and I'm assuming they're not playing anybody more than 30 minutes a game. So this is so people understand like like basically I'm saying look I I'm I'm going to make the team worse than it is because I'm going to assume they're not going to play their best guy they're just going to rest everybody and they're still going to win 61 games. What that means is like once you get into the playoffs the odds kind of go crazy in their favor because they can just like start like increasing uh, the minutes on their best guys. So uh, it, it's really hard like I mean the only scenario 
the, the two likely scenarios I see where they could like not make the final. There, there, there's, there's actually there's three scenarios I see. I see one which is the Warriors are fully healthy come playoff time, right? And maybe the the Spurs have some some injury luck their way. I don't see that as very likely because the likelihood of that Golden State Warriors team being fully healthy is is not good. I think the other one is the uh, the Thunder. Uh, you know, Steve Adams takes the leap and he, he's actually starting. But again, as long as Scotty Brooks is coaching. That becomes a kind of a longer odd scenario. I think the Clippers also being healthy, and the Clippers are sneaky in the sense that like they've always had injury issues come playoff time as well, right? So Chris Paul is never like fully healthy come playoff time. And I think the other one is like the Rockets kind of figure it out and everything gels, and, and then got kind of interesting. But I, I still I still think even with all those scenarios, San Antonio is 50% to make the finals. And once they're there, they're I mean they're beating unless like something. And again, there's a 20% chance that something happens. I don't see Cleveland or Chicago or anybody out of the East being strong enough to like to win, to like be favored over them. Particularly if they're not going to have home court. I don't think anybody's going to have home court over them in the finals. That's so. That's why I, I, I'm there. I can I can definitely see that. Let's move on to the Toronto Raptors, who had a, a I would say by all accounts a very successful season, maybe other than the playoff result. And they won 48 games last year. Do you think they're better or worse than last year? Uh, wow. They're, I think they're slightly better because they, they were banged up. I think it is a better uh, team. I like some of the guys they picked up, but the, it's not much better. I think they're about a 50-win team. I think where I would argue is, is that there's a very real chance that, like, and this is the, the, the going trend with Masai, is that the team will always be better at the end of the season than at the beginning. Right, so whereas I think they're a 50-win team now, I think he'll make some move to get them like more in the 52-53 win range. I, I kind of I think I forget what the what the uh, Eastern Conference odds are for the Raptors, but they're probably some of the more attractive on the board because I do think that this if there's a team that's going to jump from the pack and maybe challenge for that one seed, it's I would rather put my money on the Raptors than on the Bulls actually. Yeah, I can totally see the logic on that. But the other factor that goes the other way that I've been thinking about with them is that it looks like they have a pretty clear-cut advantage on their division. I think that, you mm-hmm. know, Brooklyn Brooklyn going down, the Knicks aren't there, Boston and Philly are both bad. And I could see them settling into the third spot or even the second spot, but probably the third spot in the East and just basically be sitting there the last five games of the year and go, well, let's just, let's just hang out where we are. We're not going to go anywhere and just – you know, rest the guys and get them ready for the playoffs because they're going to have a more challenging I think, matchup in the 3-6. I think they're going to care about the two-seed. I think they're going to care about being home uh, versus the Bulls or like, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's a shot that, 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 that the one-seed's in play too. So, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, you know, there's a world where like somebody on the, on the, on the Cavs gets hurt and I think that they can do that. So I, I, I do think they're going to play hard all season. I, and they're also a younger team. So I think they do that. And again, I also like the fact, I mean, like they got some guys that can take the leap. I like a lot of the players on that team. So yeah, so, I love Valanciunas particularly. So like, so they, for, so, so say they move like somebody like DeMar for, for like, you know, say DeMar for, for a follow or DeMar for like, and again, I think DeMar is a better player than he used to be. But he's still not as good as people think. So there are some still guys that they could still move to get better on that team. Yeah, I, I think so too. And then also most of their team is either I think almost all of their guys are either on the positive end of their aging curve or at kind of at the at the part where it doesn't change a whole lot. You know, like I don't think Lowry's going to get much better, but he's already really good and he's not going to get worse. So. If you're in that spot on your curve on your guys, then that's a good sign in terms of winning more games. And the fact that their division is going to be worse, probably I would say, that gives that might give them a few more wins as well. So that helps 
helps the over become a more applicable bet. I, I, I would still be a little bit uncomfortable with it, but I think that they have a pretty respectable shot who, at it. Who do you think the... Okay, so the Raptors are the, are the team most likely to win the Atlantic. Who do you think... Who do you think is the second most likely team to win the Atlantic? I would say Brooklyn, even though I don't particularly like them. I would say the Knicks because I believe, and I believe strongly that they that 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 Phil has a move in him, and I think it's going to be an, an interesting and a good move. So I don't see the Knicks as currently constituting winning the Atlantic. I do think they're going to make a move, and it's going to be kind of like you might see something really scary at the end of the season for that Knicks team, right? So, so as much as people laugh at their title odds, their their, their title odds and the division and, and and the conference odds might be really interesting if you consider that. And and, and again, but that's me, right? I think that's fair. Next team is the Utah Jazz. They're uh, an anomaly in this because, and this is why I want to do both at the same time, because they won 25 games last year and their over-under is 25 and a half. So are they better or are they worse? I think they're better. I'm not a huge fan of Tyron Corbin, but but I think they're better. I mean, I think that they, 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 they literally had nobody who could play the point last year at the beginning of the season, and it, it showed. I mean, they're close in a lot of these games, and they're also playing in altitude. I think that I would say it's an easy, like, and again, I haven't put in the schedule adjustments, the altitude adjustments. Once I put that in, I'm thinking that this is going to be like, they should win 30 games. I mean, it's really hard for you to play in Utah and not win at least 30 games, right? Because you're going to get a bunch of teams coming in on like the second night of back-to-backs at altitude. So there's like, there's, there's going to be like five games where like, basically you're going to get like a free win, right? So so I, I do think that, like, they, the oversight, I do think they're slightly better because they're young. But I don't know that, that this team is going to grow with the current coaching staff. Do you, you kind of see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I think they're also a good candidate for internal improvement because they have a lot of young guys. I think guys like Alec Burks and Favors. And I also like, as much as I'm not a huge fan of him, I think Trevor Booker is a nice little pickup for them. I think that... He's a more traditional four in some ways. Marvin Williams was, you know, he had his moments, but he was like that. But I also think that guys like Gordon Hayward and, you know, Alec Burks, as I already mentioned, could definitely do it. And I think they got better at coach, which is a useful thing for them because I like Quinn Snyder more than Mang Corbin. I think he'll do yeah, a decent yeah. job there. Yeah. My, but, my favorite player on the team is probably Jeremy Evans, who's probably like people are going to be surprised when he's a really good team. for. He's like a really good player for some good team like two, three years down the line. Because they, I agree with that. He, 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 the guy does things, right? Like, and, and again, I look at all sorts of different metrics and all sorts of different metrics like uh, Jeremy Evans. It's just, you know, the Jazz don't seem to. Yeah, for whatever reason. And the, the other factor with them is they're a team like Milwaukee in that sense that I think they can define success in a very different way than wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And if they're in a situation where they can, you know, emphasize the guys like Rudy Gobert, the younger guys in their lineup, then I think I think I could see them losing some extra games at the end, not even necessarily tanking, but just not emphasizing winning in that sense and not self-sabotage because all their guys are young. And I could see them not prioritizing winning, and that would really change the outlook for them in terms of the over-under number. Well, I think I think as long as they're not actively trying to lose, I think the over is attractive for them. Because, I, again, as I said, it's, it's just where they play. If they're trying... Like if they're playing, if they're playing their hardest, they should win more than 25 games, just because of the fact that they play in Utah, right? So it's that's my feeling with this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the last team for over/under is the Washington Wizards, who won 44 games last year. And we'll 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 go avoid the Beal injury first. But on pure talent, do you think they're better or worse than last year? Are they better or worse? I think that they're they're better. 
So they they're a 44 win team. I think they're better, but it's 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 a marginal because I, I do think they got they got worse with the Ariza trade, right? So losing Ariza does actually hurt, but I think their bench got stronger, right? So I, I think that that is the issue. Now they still have the the fact that I don't know who's actually playing the two. Besides, you know, they had the depth issue with the two, and they still do. It's like I, I was hearing somebody saying like that they should try to get Ray Allen to come into town, which would be interesting. I, I do think again, I, I think that they're better, but it's just slight. I, I don't I like my number is like the under on this team. Yeah, I think that the issue the issue I have with them is just and obviously we don't know if Bradley Beal being out for a few weeks is going to affect that number, but I think because I think they took it off the board, but. I just thought before Bradley Beal got hurt that forty nine and a half was just too high a number for them yeah, because think, while it was while it was a possible outcome, I didn't think that fifty wins was a likely outcome for them. I, I, like the most, especially not more than fifty percent. It's hard for me to think that uh, I always forget the name of the coach. I always get him confused. It's not Casey. It's um, it's your good friend Randy Whitman. Yeah, Randy Whitman. I can. I, it's hard for me to see a Randy Whitman coach team win more than win fifty games. That just kind of. No, I mean because particularly when you start making the making it tough for him by like putting injuries and like saying oh you you have to pick the right guys to play, it's like you know when you take a bad coach and you give him like minute decisions it doesn't go well. So I, I I mean again I think I mean yeah could they win 50 games? Yeah I don't think it's a likely scenario for them to win 50 games. I think I got them. Let's see I've got them at 50 or better. Only about 12% of the time. And again, the other thing that goes, it's like somebody in that division. So like basically my numbers all say like it says that every team in that division is within a game. Like everybody team but Orlando is about like at 500 or like like 42 wins. That's where everybody is. And one of those teams will probably win like 50 games. One of the four, right? Which of the four is the question? And, and, and given the coaching, I have a hard time. I mean, I have a, I feel like this is a 45 to 50 win team. And that's, I think, where they'll be. And, and and I think it's aspirational for them to win like 50. Whereas I think Toronto can definitely go to the next, next, le- next level. I don't know that this team can do it with like Randy Whitman. And again, I don't like the fact that they lost uh, Ariza. I don't like the fact that, that Marco Webster is being invited to arthritis conferences. You, you know about this, right? Yeah. He was invited as a keynote speaker, like a speaker at an arthritis conference because of the things he's having. So they, they have some real issues in terms of death. Now, again, as I, I like the guys they picked up in the, in the bench, but, but I, I, you know, I think that if, they, if this team wins 48 games, they're going to consider that like a that, – that, that's going to be for them like a huge win, right? And, yeah, and they're also an older team than people think because you, you think Wall and Beal and they're, you know, a great young backcourt and all that, but – they're, the rest of their team is pretty old. You know, Gortat is getting up there. Paul Pierce is old, as we all know. Nene is getting there. And while they added good frontcourt depth that should be young and getting better in Dewan Blair and Chris Humphreys, there aren't that many guys on this team where you say, oh, that's a big internal improvement. So for them, the improvement has to be health because Paul Pierce is not a substantial upgrade over Trevor Reza. If he's an upgrade at all, I, I don't think that he is personally. Yeah, yeah they have real issues at the at, at wing depth, and I think that they're yeah. already having real issue, real health issues. So I think the under is even more attractive. And, and again, it's it isn't even Beal. Like the Beal thing isn't that big of a deal for me, because I think he's he's. It's not that he's not talented, but I don't think Whitman uses him properly. But the the, the Webster and the uh, the fact that they lost Ariza is a bigger deal for me because you're you're basically relying on Paul Pierce to stay healthy for all eighty two games and play a crap load of minutes and and that's not it's going to be a real issue for this team, particularly since Paul likes to get in shape as the season goes on. Yeah, he does. So the other gambling issue that I I thought of and this is, became especially more relevant actually was a part of a piece for Hardwood Paroxysm, which is not out yet, and I'm mad that it hasn't come out yet because. 
I said that the guy who I think is a serious dark horse to win MVP, and I don't know what his odds are, is Chris Paul. And what I wanted to ask you on is, let's say Oklahoma City is further down in the race for the one seed, which I think we can both agree on. Mm -hmm. How likely is it that the Clippers either put in a serious challenge or actually get the number one record in the Western Conference? I think that it all comes down to how much of a crap uh, Greg Popovich gives. So if, if Popovich doesn't care... Right. So if he doesn't care, like at the one seed and like, the, I mean, because I think the Clippers, I think Clippers and, and, and Doc are, are going to want that one seed. Right. And, and there's a real possibility this is a feel good uh, L.A. series. Now, like the problem with this is like the and, and I always worry about this teams where like with, with the two guys, it, it's really hard when you have like two guys. So it's so it does if the Clippers are the one seed. And I think I think there's a 40 percent chance that the Clippers might be the one seed. Right. Even though I, I mean I love San Antonio, but like, and I think they're the over. But like, I think that the Clippers could definitely. So I've got like, so I've got San Antonio at sixty-one. I've got the Clippers at like fifty-six. But like, in some cases, they're over uh, San Antonio. I do think that. Let's say it's a twenty thirty. Let's say it's a thirty percent chance that they're the one seed, right? So let's say it's a thirty percent chance of the one seed. There's about a fifty-fifty chance that it's Blake that's getting the credit, right? So. You're at you're at fifteen percent there for for the for, and then you you're also kind of accounting for the fact like like there is no surprise team in the East or some other team bubbling up that like can draw uh, away. So I put Chris Paul at ten to one to win the MVP. Where, where is he listed at right now? I don't know. Uh, you I don't I can try to look, but I just I think that I can look this up. there's there's also there's a narrative there. I think that yeah. and that has power. We saw that with Derrick Rose's MVP. You know, there there a narrative can win a guy an MVP. And also for me, Chris Paul's a guy who has that talent. You know, he's not a guy like Anthony Davis who we we love, but he needs to get it there. We already know what a Chris Paul MVP's MVP season looks like because he already had one. He just didn't win the award. Yeah, 2008. So I've got here's the MVP future. I'm getting this from Odds Checker, right? I think these are these. I think these are live. So it's so Betfair has LeBron at 2021, which is basically almost even money. As Kevin Durant at 23 to 10, has Blake at 19 to 2, and has Chris Paul at 15 to 1. So I think that I think that and that's Blake, a great Blake, one to take. Blake Blake has better odds than uh, Chris Paul to win the MVP. I don't think that happens. Personally, I don't. I just don't see. I mean, obviously, if Chris Paul got hurt again, then that would be that would yeah. be an issue. But Blake is more famous. But I think that the people who vote for the MVP would vote for Chris Paul. Yeah, I think Blake is actually going nine to one. Chris Paul is going eleven to one. Carmelo is going sixteen. Then uh, James Harden eighteen to one. Derek at twelve. Curry at thirty. I actually I like Curry. Curry at thirty three to one is a nice. That's that's value. Yeah, that that's a great bet. I think that, that Harden is yeah. is a nice one at that number because Harden they could win fifty five games. Yeah. You know they could do something crazy. I, I think um, I, I think if I had picked the three teams that could win the West, it's gonna it would be actually four teams. I think you know I would like. So I'm I'm, I'm trying to see who, who, who's the nugget with the best odds, right? Would that be? I don't think any Nuggets winning the MVP. If they if they I, I just don't see it. Even I, if they had the best record in the West, I just I, don't see it. Ty Lawson at a thousand to one. I like that. Ty Lawson at a thousand to one. If they, if they win the, I mean, I think there's like, I think there's a one in, there's maybe like a one in fifty or one in twenty chance that they could win, but I, I I would consider that interesting. I mean, I think that's like a high margin, like low risk bet. If you, well, yeah, at a at a thousand to one, it is pretty high margin. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I mean, I like I like I agree with you that I like the Chris Paul. There's the risk of the fact I think Blake Griffin is ahead of him on that. I think that LeBron. 
Well, I think the thing is, I, I like I, I like the Kevin Love odds better than LeBron's. Like I think LeBron's even money. Kevin Love and Kevin Love's twenty twenty two to one, right? So that's more interesting, because I do think that he's the guy who could actually like see some love in that direction. See, yeah, it's definitely definitely a possibility. Are there any other topics you want to talk about? No. Hey, Cal Laurie's five hundred to one. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I would I would I would say that's really interesting. Because I yeah, do I would like I like that better than the Lawson one because I just think the Raptors are going to be better and they're in the East so they're going to get attention. Yeah, and the Raptor fans are like really loud on the internet, so the whole yeah. The whole... I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that affects MVP voting, but I think that I think and and Lowry has he has a great story, you know, he's battled through teams and all that, so the, he has the narrative he has the narrative advantage and he's clearly the most famous player on his team, which is a huge benefit too. Sure. You know, we could argue a bunch of guys for the Nuggets, but for the if the Raptors are top two in the East, it's going to be because of Kyle Lowry. Cool. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So that brings us to the end of our over under podcast. Is there anything else? I mean, do you want to talk like uh, championship favorites or something? I think we did a pretty good job of that. I also, for me, just with the the problem with title things is I think what we've already learned from the last week is that there will be a lot that will change it. And I think I, I if we want to talk that, I'd like to talk with you again, like you know, right before the season starts or right as the yeah. season starts, we can go through that yeah, because. I think we're going to see a lot change. I, I know I know some people that basically all they do is they basically buy San Antonio to win the championship at, at like different points of the season as the odds go up and down on that, and then basically just hedge come the playoffs. And what you do is like because if you have like San Antonio twenty to one to win the champion, which is which has been you've been able to get San Antonio ten to one, maybe San Antonio twenty one at points in the last few seasons, and then just you you hedge against that individual games and like you know you can people just you know make a lot of money doing that right so. So it's it's what you're looking for on that is is who do you think is is undervalued and just you know you, you're not necessarily going to win the money on that but then you can you you can get into positions where you're like playing against the field on that right so individual games or individual series outcomes and people okay that's that's a great point here's here's the one thing I'll ask you just ballparking you don't have to use your numbers if you don't want to how many teams do you think there are that have at least a five percent chance of winning the title uh, how many teams that I think have a five percent chance of winning the title so. So San Antonio, Cleveland, Golden State, Clippers, Thunder, that's five. Uh, I'm going to say Rockets. I'm going to say Bulls, 5%. So I've got seven teams right now. And yeah, now I'm actually like thinking about the West real quick. So I've got seven teams. And let's see, I'm going to go through all the divisions. So no, nobody, I, I don't want, I can't, I can't give the Raptors 5% chance. Like, I just can't do it. I said the Thunder, I can't give the Blazers. The Blazers, you, you can't win the title the first time. You, they need to make at least the conference finals before they can win the title. I don't think the Nuggets can do it. I don't think, Suns might be my eighth team, uh, I think. And I think the Suns and, uh, I, well, man, if I, if I put the Suns in, I have to put in the Mavericks and the Grizzlies. And I don't feel comfortable putting any of those three teams in. So seven teams, basically. I think it might be six, and the team that I might take out is the Bulls. Because I just don't see the Bulls in a as presently constructed. Obviously, that could change. But I really don't think it will. I have, seen, I have a lot of trouble seeing them beat the, beating the Western Conference champion well, think, in the NBA Finals. I think there's there's better than 5%. I think you're taking... Yeah, but 5% is really low, though. I, I'm, saying, I'm, saying, I'm saying there's a 20% chance that Powell and Rose come back to form, right? So, so that, that, that's, the, that's the first caveat. So 20% chance that, that they, they come back to form. If they come back to form, and that's the 20%, that means I think that they make the Finals about... Of that 20%, maybe like two-thirds of the time, so maybe like 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%, 15%
right? And of that 15%, they win the title like half of that, so 7%. So that's, that's how I'm coming up with the 5% for the Bulls, right? But it would imply Powell and Rose coming back to four, right? And if that, and I do think there's like, you know, if the 20 out of 100 times that does happen, right? It's not, it's not the most likely outcome, but it is a possible outcome. Remember you said 5%. Yeah. Yeah, and you could in, and you could increase that. For me, I think it's rows and so if you think of it as an as an equation, it's rows and brackets or parentheses. Either Gasol or Miritich has a good year because I think as long as you well, get one of those two, you're fine. But but let's extend that. So it, it, those two things have to happen, and then like Noah has to be available come playoff time, right? That's that's why of I course it, of course 20, it's twenty percent because Noah does actually get banged up with like plantar fasciitis all the time. So it's it's this is why I think that I got to give the Bulls a five percent chance. I, I do think that there's a five percent chance that they win the title. Yeah, and that's fair. And it's it, it's stronger because of the fact that the East is really weak, right? So basically, they it's the Raptors and the Cavs that they have to go through. And again, there, there's also it's like you know it's like what if Kevin Love gets hurt or what if uh, LeBron James gets hurt, right? So you know, what if Kyrie gets hurt? So, so these things kind of like you know play into the decision. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And anything else you want to go over? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. It, it, it's been fun, Danny. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for taking the time, man. We'll do it again. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti for taking the time. It was a pleasure having him on. You can read him at boxscoregeeks.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Arturo Galetti. That's A-R-T-U-R-O-G-A-L-L-E-T-T-I. Boxscoregeeks, great site. Really like Arturo and everybody else they have there. And it was so much fun having him on. I mean, when we talked about this in the original idea, I was never expecting it to be this, let's say, expansive. But... It provided a way for me, and I'm sure for Arturo, to really clarify positions and think about things. That conversation at the end about the teams with a 5% chance of winning the title, you know, I really had to think about that once we started going through it, and he made a great point with the Bulls. So I hope you enjoyed it. It was certainly a, a labor of love, if you want to put it that way, because recording it and editing it definitely took a lot of time, but I certainly feel it was worth it. I'm super happy with it. So as I always say, if you have any insight or input, I will read it, I will listen, and I will do my best to respond. You can email me at daniel.larue at realgm.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at DannyLarue. That's D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. I'm, to be completely honest, not entirely sure how I want to do the rest of the preseason time, but the podcast will keep going strong through the season. I already talked to some people, but I'm sure I'll get more. It's a lot of fun, and... Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love a sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. 